By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. I'm Danielle Reed, and this is Moody's Talks, Focus on Finance. In today's episode, from New York, my co-host Michael Porta will speak to Bruno Beretta about the global outlook for finance companies. Michael, hi. Welcome to your very first episode of Focus on Finance in 2023. Hi, Danielle. Glad to kick off the new year with Focus on Finance. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Michael. It's January still, so I guess we can still say that. So, new year, new outlook for finance companies globally. And this year, the outlook is actually negative. So what are some of the key reasons for that? Well, uh, funding conditions are tightening. That's one key risk shared by many finance companies around the globe. And when you say finance companies, first of all, that means all different types of non-bank lenders, right? From, you know, I think that covers a lot of different subsectors. Yeah, uh, to be precise, uh, in the outlook, 13 Subsectors are covered uh, across North America, Europe, Asia Pacific, and Latin America. So, very diverse group of subsectors uh, and regions under consideration here. Right. Okay. So, tightening funding conditions. Uh, are there any other drivers for the negative outlook? The other main one is deteriorating asset quality. You know, with interest rates rising, uh, loan affordability is dropping. So asset quality will be in focus in 2023. Okay. And since loans are one of the main types of finance company assets, that means more borrowers getting behind on their payments and so on when you talk about asset quality, right? Deteriorating. Right. Loans. And, uh, you know, there are some sectors where leases are a big part of the portfolio, aircraft lessors, auto finance captives. And taking the auto finance captives, for example, they have so-called residual value risk in their lease portfolios. That's when a lease expires and the underlying asset, in this case, a car, can only be resold or released at a price lower than its remaining value. Uh, So that's a big risk with used car prices dropping from record highs as supply bottlenecks. I see. Michael, thanks very much. And we've now been joined in the studio by Bruno Beretta, so I will let you take it from here. Thank you, Danielle. Bruno, happy 2023, and welcome to Focus on Finance. Hi, Michael. Great to be here. So as we kicked off the new year, you published an outlook on finance companies globally. Uh, That covers about 13 subsectors uh, across regions, so a very diverse group by both business and region. But it seems like Tightening funding conditions are a main shared risk for these companies heading into the new year. What's driving that and how are the companies managing the situation? So that's exactly right. As as you mentioned, this is a diverse group of companies and it's normally difficult to make broad sweeping statements about them. Uh, It's a little bit easier this year because so many companies in so many different places are facing similar macro pressures related to high interest rates, high inflation, uh, rising unemployment, et cetera. I, I think high interest rates really is the key here, uh, and that's going to make funding conditions in 2023 much tighter than they have been in some time. So we expect firms to rely increasingly uh, on secured forms of debt, which encumber assets. 
and, and the reason this adds risk is that when assets are encumbered, uh, companies can't then pledge those assets to get alternative sources of liquidity uh, in times of stress when they most need it. We expect that the companies with the greatest refinancing needs in 2023 to 20, in 2024 to be most impacted uh, by this environment. Uh, but it's important to note that many companies took advantage of uh, easier funding conditions in uh, 2020 and 2021 to refinance their maturities uh, and push out those funding needs. Uh, so, so that's a little bit of an offset to some of the pressures that, that we're seeing right now. Okay, so s- some funding pressure uh, developing, and it's going to hit uh, hardest in 2023 and 2024 for those companies with maturities. But you mentioned a fair number of companies were able to refinance a good portion of their debt in 2020 and 2021. Was that refinancing activity focused in a particular sector, or was it pretty evenly distributed across the board? It wasn't focused in a particular sector. Many companies took advantage of low interest rates and easier financing conditions in that time, not just finance companies, but really companies in all different sectors across the globe. Okay. So moving on from funding, uh, you also highlighted in your outlook that asset quality is deteriorating. And in many cases, it's happening more rapidly for finance companies than is the case for banks. And the risks are also more pronounced for some consumer-focused finance companies, I think. Is that right? Uh, that's right. So finance companies, generally speaking, uh, focus on customers with weaker credit profiles uh, than banks, uh, which leads to more pronounced risks in, in a downside scenario. And as you mentioned, uh, consumer-facing companies uh, have perhaps seen the greatest amount of asset quality deterioration. Now, part of this is because consumers can't pass on their costs to offset higher expenses as corporations can. But some of this is to do with just the fact that uh, certain segments of of the population that finance companies lend to are seeing more rapid asset quality deterioration. So, for example, uh, subprime consumer lenders have already seen loan losses exceed uh, the level that they were pre-pandemic. Uh, but other other um, consumer-facing uh, firms uh, have uh, other dynamics and other risks, uh, and some haven't deteriorated uh, as rapidly as, as subprime uh, and are still below 2019 levels uh, when looking at loan losses. So auto captives are one example of that. And furthermore, as you see uh, the economic economic conditions weaken in 2023, uh, we would also expect corporate-facing firms to face uh, some asset quality pressure as well. And that's driving a negative outlook for for many of those subsectors as well. Okay. So, you know, in some cases, the pressure is going to be more pronounced for consumer sectors, but it's really generalized asset quality pressure across many of these subsectors, whether they be consumer or corporate. And a lot of that pressure on borrowers is a function of higher interest rates, as you mentioned. But in some cases, rising rates can also have benefits for the finance companies themselves uh, through better profitability. How does that balance out and which companies stand to benefit most from a profitability boost? That's right. There are definitely some benefits in a higher interest rate environment uh, for any lender, right? So, so if, you, if you're able to charge more in interest, you can uh, potentially uh, reap more uh, uh, in terms of profitability. Now, uh, the companies that stand to benefit the most from from that dynamic are those that have floating rate assets, assets that can reprice uh, as interest rates uh, go higher, 
and have a more fixed cost of capital, a fixed capital base, if you will. So one example of that would be business development companies where most assets are loans with floating rate uh, rates, but uh, much of their debt is fixed rate and it's fixed rate that's been locked in for a, a significant amount of time. So those companies could actually see an improvement in profitability as rates continue to increase. Now, for those benefits and profitability to be realized, we would need to see that increased net interest income to fully offset uh, any deterioration we might see in asset quality. And that may not, that may not happen for everyone uh, uh, given the environment. Okay, so to recap, uh, a prospect of a, a bit better uh, profitability for companies with a good amount of floating rate assets uh, and fixed rate liabilities, you cited business development companies as an example. But the question still out there is whether the asset quality erosion is going to outweigh that profitability benefit. So something you'll be watching, I'm sure. Moving along, you mentioned that finance companies' performance will differ by region and business model. Uh, you know, we've covered a few examples already. Here in the US, for example, rising interest rates have taken the steam out of refinancing activity that helps fuel the residential mortgage sector. What's our outlook on that sector? And what are a few other subsectors of particular risk or interest that you'd highlight? So our outlook for US residential mortgage lenders is negative. Uh, and, and that reflects, as you alluded to, uh, the fact that high interest rates will uh, keep refinancing activity relatively low uh, in this environment. But I think another risk uh, for U.S. Uh, residential uh, mortgage lenders is that while in 2022, you also had a decline in refinance activity, you had a somewhat of an offset to that with higher values in mortgage servicing rates. So these are the assets that firms realize when they have a right to service a mortgage. And when interest rates are high, you expect to hold that right for longer because that customer is less likely to refinance. And so those assets get marked up. Because interest rates have risen so much already, you won't see as much uh, by way of uh, MSR markups, but you will see a continued uh, tepid environment for refinancings, which will limit the profitability for those firms driving uh, the negative outlook for the sector as a whole. Another sector we're seeing some emerging risks are Chinese distressed asset managers. That's a sector with a significant amount of exposure to the property sector in China. And in that sector, we're seeing weak sales and increased risk of property developer default, uh, which is in turn driving uh, a negative outlook for Chinese distressed asset managers as well. In the U.S., we, as we alluded to earlier, we have U.S. subprime consumer lenders, and that's a sector that we've actually seen a rapid decline in asset quality with uh, net charge-offs and delinquencies actually exceed uh, 2019 levels, which hasn't been the case for everyone. Uh, and we've actually seen asset quality remain better relative to 2019 levels for many sectors, but U.S. subprime consumers have been more impacted by, by things like inflation. Uh, and lower real wages, uh, leading to uh, a deterioration in asset quality there. Got it. So to recap, uh, in the U.S. residential mortgage sector, mortgage servicing rights, the, the run-up in valuations there may have reached its endpoint, which uh, will no longer, they'll no longer act as an offset of reduced refinancing activity. And 
you know, we've written during the year on the problems of the property sector in China. So not surprising that the distressed asset managers would be contending with some issues there. Bringing Europe into the frame, we also covered debt purchasers in that region. And perhaps counterintuitively, they may benefit from some increased amounts of assets uh, because of the number of distressed assets out there. Is that right? That's right. These are firms that purchase uh, non-performing loans and receivables from other institutions. And so when you have a higher supply of non-performing assets, as you might expect in a weaker economic environment, you actually see some opportunities uh, for these firms to purchase these assets and uh, benefit uh, from them. Um, At the same time, uh, weaker economic conditions also mean uh, lower overall collections on those those assets, uh, which could uh, harm profitability uh, as well. And that and also furthermore, when you have this degree of uncertainty, you know, pricing these assets uh, becomes much more challenging. And so uh, for that sector, we actually see kind of offsetting uh, challenges and benefits leading to a stable outlook. So, you know, just coming back to the overall negative outlook for the entire sector and all the subsectors globally, what would have to change to return to a more stable outlook overall across all finance companies? You know, it's a good question. And it's uh, it's different for every subsector because these companies operate in such a uh, wide, uh, diverse uh, uh, group of subsectors that, that all have uh, different challenges and different opportunities within them. Uh, that being said, I think some of these macro pressures are baiting uh, will be key uh, to returning to a stable outlook. Uh, so, so we'll be monitoring inflation, unemployment uh, in, in different economies very closely as we head into 23 and eventually to 2024. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So Bruno, thank you. And Michael, thank you as well. Thank you both very much for your insights. And a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. For a deeper dive into today's topic of finance companies, you can follow the links in the show notes for this episode at moody's.com slash podcasts. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, please do remember to follow or subscribe. And please tune in again soon for more episodes of Focus on Finance. Thanks for listening to this Moody's Talks podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed, please follow the links in the show notes. You can check out other Moody's Talks podcasts by visiting moody's.com slash podcasts.